Welcome back. I'm so happy to have you with me this week on the show as we explore what it means to have a flourishing life, to feel the happiness, the joy, the connection that you desire, and where some of us might be stuck in languishing and how we can start to shift ourselves to move from inertia back into momentum, to be feeling better and brighter and more engaged and more hopeful in creating the life that you love. Thanks for joining me. I'm so thrilled to have you with me. Living in a stressful world doesn't mean you have to give up on happiness. Instead, you can shift your perspective of stress and discover how to live your life in flow. Welcome to Happified. I'm your host, Susie Vine. Join me for inspiration and interviews with folks who are shining their light in the world in the areas of positive mindset, health, and wellness. I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks for joining us this week on the show. I'm thrilled to have you back joining me again for another conversation about how we can feel more positive, more joy in our lives. Given the name Happified, you know I love this topic. So thanks for joining me as we take a look today where we can be on the spectrum, how we can move between flourishing our goal of feeling engaged, lit up, happy, if you will, but there's more to it than that, you're going to be finding out, or languishing. Are you at not even the end of the spectrum, but farther down the scale, just feeling a little discontent, a little disengaged, maybe a little disenchanted? And how can you move yourself towards more of the ways of being that you want to call in? So let's take a closer look at where are these two places, and perhaps you resonate with one of these two words already. Flourishing is a term that Martin Seligman used to really broaden the scope or the goal of our positive outcomes, of the ideal that they are studying, that they are quantifying with research in the field of positive psychology. And so you've heard me, I'm sure, speak to positive psychology here on the show, but what is that really? What does that entail and why does that matter? So positive psychology is defined as the science of positive subjective experience, positive character traits, and positive institutions. So those positive subjective experiences are those feelings, right? Beyond happiness, beyond joy, which might for some people feel unattainable, well-being, contentment, feeling in flow, pleasure, having hope. These are the positive emotions that we all want to feel more of, right? It's hard to refute that goal. And the positive character traits are something else you've probably heard me speak to on the show here and really powerful ways of drawing from our innate talents or skills, our strengths in a variety of different capacities, having grit, wisdom, resilience, creativity, humor, compassion. These are some of the positive character traits that can be identified and developed so that we can more easily find ourselves in flow, working in our zone of genius. And then finally, those positive institutions, right? We recognize the importance of relationships. It's about who we are in relation to ourselves, our family, our communities, the world at large, because we are such social creatures. These relationships are vitally important. 
as I said, through our organizations, within our communities, and then how do we cultivate that civic responsibility? As you're going to find out, engagement is tremendously important. So dialing back from the field of positive psychology and what is that, that's a pretty broad umbrella. And Dr. Martin Seligman identified our goal is to feel flourishing, not just happiness. Some people are a little triggered by that. So how can we flourish? What does that mean? And he identified five aspects that support a flourishing life. And those aspects we call the shorthand, the PERMA model. PERMA is the acronym for positive emotions, engagement, relationships, meaning, or connecting purpose in your life. And then finally, accomplishment, that feeling of success that we have when we achieve our goals. Recognizing even as he offered this model as a concept, as a broader foundation, what does it mean to flourish? We need these positive emotions. We require engagement to feel fulfilled. These relationships that we have, the meaning that we put into things and accomplishment recognizing even then that there was room for more. And he invited his fellow researchers and people in this field to broaden this base. And so initially people offered, you know, what's missing is perhaps vitality. And vitality is something tremendously important. It's certainly something that I love to speak to. It is a goal that I have. I think we all deserve to have a vital and engaging life, but also health. Sometimes we get caught up in this headspace of what does it mean to feel happy, but without our health, physical, emotional, mental health, can we enjoy these things? And so these two have been accepted or added in, but ultimately now we're looking at the PERMA plus four model and Dr. Stuart Donaldson has a phenomenal research center at Claremont Graduate University and he and his students have identified and been looking at the importance of four more aspects. So PERMA plus four, we're adding to the core five physical health. So here it comes that again, we're holding on to physical health mindset that perspective that we bring to things. Do we have a growth mindset? Our environment, which I love to speak to, if you've heard me speak for a while, I'm passionate about our environment and how that affects us. And economic security, because that is a factor we cannot ignore. We can't optimize everything else, but be living without economic security and have no impact in that from the ways that we are feeling from feeling like we are flourishing. So are these aspects of feeling positive and our goal, our aspiration to, to rate ourselves well in all of these capacities. And on the other hand, I won't say again at the other end of the spectrum, but alternately, rather than feeling like we are excelling, we're doing well in these capacities, some of us are stuck in this state of languishing. And this word really came to our mind in 2021 after we were through the very worst initial days of the pandemic, but still not back to life as normal, still feeling disconnected, missing our social support groups, work had changed dramatically, and we didn't know if and when it was going to go back 
to normal, or even if we wanted to, we were caught in the throes of the great resignation, which is still unfolding in many ways, or writing itself yet again, as people who left their work and tried something new may now still be trying something else that's more successful or supportive for them. And so the state of languishing became more recognized. And I certainly had a few friends who raised their hand and said, this is me. This is finally it. This is me in a nutshell. Sociologist Corey Keyes coined the term and identified it as in relation to the lack of flourishing in our lives. And you might typify that or quantify this as feeling restless, unsettled, disengaged, disconnected, stagnant, even feeling a little empty. And so with kind of those feelings in mind, you're probably resonating with languishing at a point at which you felt this in your life, when you were at a job that wasn't stimulating to you, when you were in a relationship that was more draining than fulfilling in your life. And certainly over these last few years, you can probably look back and find points at which you recognize this applies to you, right? So how do we move from feeling blah, from feeling stuck, from feeling apathetic if this is where you are, or if it has been, or just recognizing that it's something that you want to buffer yourself against. You want to be moving yourself back towards the flourishing end of the spectrum, right? We know that by cultivating habits of positivity, we can move ourselves there. We can raise our happiness set point. And I've shared information by Sonia Lubomirsky, a wonderful researcher who shares habits of happiness and ways that we can train our brain to feel more positive more of the time, to raise that happiness set point. And what are the benefits of that? So I was really interested as I was looking into this research and from Donaldson's team, the more comprehensive definition of flourishing with the addition and his team was looking at how we can be flourishing personally and how we can be flourishing professionally. So it's important to identify that as well. I think sometimes we put a broad umbrella on things. When we feel very stressed, we're not identifying if stress is coming from our personal life or our professional life, or if that expression of stress, regardless of the source, is showing up in our professional life? Is it holding us back at work? Or is it showing up in our personal life? Are we taking our stress out on the people that are closest to us? Because sometimes, unfortunately, that's where we feel safe enough to let the guard down and where the frustrations can really bubble up. But it's not always expressed. We don't always let that stress come out in the same avenue that is the source, right? So we really need to be identifying what are the different capacities. And so I find it fascinating, and this is why I wanted to talk about this today, that in this research, they really were able to identify in terms of where personally people feel that they are flourishing is when they feel positive emotions, coming back to the original PERMA model, positive emotions were the first thing that Dr. Seligman identified, but also in physical health and economic security. So personally, in our own selves, when we are feeling happy, 
without discussing work at all. These are the three core features that seem to have the most influence. Feeling positive emotions, having our physical health, and feeling economic security. And then in contrast to that, as they're looking where people are feeling satisfied or positive in the workplace, the most important three factors there all come from the original PERMA model. Feeling engaged in the work that you're doing, having that flow experience, being able to immerse yourself in the work so that it engages you and time can fall away. That is the optimal experience of flow as defined by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. And having meaning in our work, having purpose, knowing that we are contributing to a greater whole in our work, and then feeling that accomplishment, really being able to move forward to accomplish goals, to feel confident in your work. And so those three aspects of positivity or of flourishing, engagement, meaning, and accomplishment are more important in how we feel successful at work, how we feel that we are flourishing in our jobs, than in our personal lives, where again, those three core aspects we found the most important were positive emotions, but also physical health and economic security. So I find it really fascinating to, again, start taking a deeper look and identifying where we get satisfaction and where we can be tuning that up. I'd love to hear from you in the comments, if you're catching the video over on YouTube on happifiedlife.com, every episode has its own page where you can share comments or on the Facebook group where I'm always sharing new insights and information. Let me know how this lands. Do you recognize or do you have some things lighting up for you? Is it perhaps in your personal life you might feel languishing, but you're feeling more strong in your professional life? Or is it the opposite? Are you feeling like you're really engaged, you're really getting things handled at work, you're moving forward there, but are you feeling less fulfilled in your personal life? Are you suffering from problems with your physical health? Are you still struggling with areas of economics insecurity? I really feel like it's been very much on the news. We've been facing the recession. Now we're looking at interest rates that are climbing. I feel like this economic security factor is something that is really going to have a big influence on us. So we need to get real with it, to take a look at where we are, to shine the light on the boogeyman in the closet, to know that we are protected in the best case that we can be, to start putting things in place so we can feel more secure financially so that this stress isn't looming, isn't growing and affecting the way that we can move through the world, right? Because as I've said, and it's maybe been a while, so it's always worth a refresher. A lot of people like to use the analogy of the stress bucket, and we tend to let low level stressors add up over time. Maybe you're not getting quality sleep. Maybe you have hay fever allergies, right? Little annoying stressors like that, that impact your well-being, your quality of life, having economic insecurity, worrying every month about how those bills are going to get paid is one of those ongoing stressors that fills up that bucket so that when something happens, if an illness comes along, if you have upsetting news about a family member or a dear friend in the workplace, if there's a setback, those larger stressors, if your bucket is already filling up with the low level things that you just haven't been able to address, it's much easier for something to tip the scale, to really have an impact from stress, to feel overwhelmed, to hit burnout, because we haven't been lowering the volume and stress everywhere that we can be. 
So by identifying that there are aspects that we can be resolving problems, we can be moving through those, how can we start to turn down the volume on stress so that we have more capacity for resilience, right? So we can be moving toward that flourishing end of the spectrum. I think it's really interesting to take a look at, you know, how we can cultivate more happiness at work and identify that we are a unique and different person in our home lives and how we can be cultivating more happiness, more positivity, more positive emotions there as well. As a starting point, I want to share a couple of tips or insights. If you identify perhaps with being in that space of languishing, if you're feeling disconnected, just not lighting up about things the way that you used to, feeling disengaged, look for ways to create space to really unplug yourself. And I think this is something that's a little bit insidious. We tend to be chronically busy. We feel like there's always something we should be doing, even if we're in between the things that are on our calendar. So how can you create more space? How can you break out of this rut of busyness? And I'm listening to myself speak here and identifying ways in which I fall into this pattern myself. How can we create space so that we really can have the room to rest and restore ourselves? So we can get off the hamster wheel, if you will. So how can we take a little time off to take a step back? If you're feeling disengaged, let's really break the connection. Let's really step back and look for ways to refuel yourself. Another way to help move out of that space of languishing is to give yourself permission to enjoy life, to enjoy something, to do the things that light you up. Again, this goes back to, it's very closely related to what I was just saying. Instead of feeling busy all the time, there's always something we should be doing, right? Try to step away from those shoulds. Stop shoulding on yourself so you can get re-engaged about things. Look for ways to bring some change, to freshen things up, change your scenery, change the routine, the pattern that we do things. We are creatures of habit as much as we all, not all universally, but many of us like the idea of being spontaneous, like the idea of things being fresh. Many of us are also pretty averse to change, but when we become more flexible, when we build that muscle to accommodate change, to embrace flexibility, that gives us fresh perspective and ability to be nimble, to react more easily to things. So looking for ways there to keep things fresh for yourself. And if you're really having trouble getting a fresh perspective or moving out of that space, if you're still feeling stuck, look for ways in which you can find support working with a coach like myself who can really connect with you and identify where you're feeling stuck, where you'd like to be moving towards, what you would like to call into your life, and helping you to execute an action plan is so supportive, right? As I've said before, I love the saying that I can't even attribute. I can't read the label when I'm inside the jar. So work with somebody who can reflect back to you what it is that you're wanting, where you feel like you're coming up short. You might be missing some simple solutions that are right in front of you. And so it can be really effective way to really move things forward, to break yourself out of that inertia and get back into momentum and feeling better faster. 
And then some ways in which you can bring more of this flourishing feeling, really support these aspects of well-being into your daily life. How can you be cultivating more positive emotions? How can we start to raise our happiness set point? Gratitude has been proven. That's why every person that you hear talk about their million dollar morning routine usually includes the gratitude practice. You're actually training your brain to put more emphasis, more power on those situations where you feel more positive. How can we cultivate mindfulness. And mindfulness doesn't have to look like a flawless meditation practice where you're sitting in peace and your mind achieves stillness. Mindfulness can be a walk in nature. It can be doing something that engages you completely, right? So even art, even doodling, some of these activities can help you cut through the noise and come center and be present in this moment. That's all mindfulness is. It doesn't have to look like a flawless meditation practice. Looking for ways to cultivate that. There's also, I've shared before, the happiness challenge that Sean Akers created. And through his research group, they've identified that 10 minutes of exercise a day is also a very effective way of raising your happiness set point. A minute or two of mindfulness a day, you know, when you develop these consistent exercises. So, whatever activity is that works for you. When you commit to being consistent with it, that's when your brain really starts to make these new connections, to fire these new pathways so that there's an easier way. There's a new default. Instead of defaulting to ruminating and worry, you're defaulting to finding a positive outcome in a situation. These are skills. These are muscles that we can be building, if you will, to feel more positive more of the time. Another great way to bring more flourishing into your life is to find engagement, find flow in some different activities. So what are some areas in which you would love to experience flow? It doesn't have to be limited to the workplace. It can be finding a physical activity that you love so much. I am not running people, but when I get back into my running practice, when I hit that groove and I'm moving and I'm breathing and I'm taking in the fresh air, that is presence for me. That is being in the moment. So what are some ways in which you can cultivate that opportunity to put yourself in a flow state? And how can you get more consistent with that? We know, I always refer back to the value of relationships. Relationships are so important because we are such social creatures. So how can we foster better relationships? How can we offer support and deepen the connection that we have with others? These are beautiful ways, personally and professionally, to foster that feeling of flourishing in our lives. And looking at that, aspect of health, because we can't overlook that. Physical health is really integral to emotional and mental health. How can we be taking better care of ourselves? Again, this can go back to finding an activity that fosters flow can also be benefiting our health. Preparing food can become a mindful exercise, even washing the dishes, right? So look for ways that you can bring these together to further this without adding more things to your to-do list. But supporting your health is so important and another opportunity for you to engage with other people, right? Can you 
find someone else who has a similar goal so that you can share notes, you can cheer each other on, you can share your frustrations and keep moving forward. It's really important to take a look at if you're feeling frustrated in your work or in your workplace, if you're feeling not heard by leadership, if you're feeling like you could enjoy more accomplishments, how can you do that? We don't always... And I think it's kind of a dangerous aspiration, right? I think we saw this with the great resignation when people were leaving their jobs in record numbers. The grass is not always greener on the other side. You don't have to leave your job because you have a different calling. You have a new passion. This clarity has brought you to put value in different things. You can still have a job that does what you need it to do, that brings the money that you need to pay the bills while you find purpose in other things. If you can find purpose in the work that you do, it's a beautiful opportunity. It's a way to enrich the work that you do and enjoy that time that you put into it. But sometimes the job is a means to an end. Sometimes the job facilitates the travel that you're able to do for a mission that you feel passionately about. So how can you find more satisfaction in the work that you do? And a beautiful way to do this is to bring in those positive character strengths. How are you putting a focus on your curiosity at work or your ability to be a team player, your being a connector? How can you bring more of this, more of yourself to the table to find more success in the work that you're doing? So workplace satisfaction and success is a beautiful way to, again, feel like you're moving towards more positivity, feeling more satisfaction, more contentment, more pride in what you're doing, all very beneficial towards moving towards the flourishing. And then finally, the quest to continue learning and growing the purpose can also be found or fed in personal development and continuing to learn things, being a lifelong student. How can you broaden your skills, bring more to the work that you're doing or to your passion and purpose outside of work? How can you continue to grow and engage your mind? Because I think that sometimes the most brilliant light bulb moments come when we're not looking directly at something, right? So if we're learning other things, we're making new connections, we're exploring this curiosity, we can really have some powerful insights to solve some problems that we haven't been able to resolve right? Sometimes looking sideways at something brings you to the best and most successful resolution. So learning, looking for opportunities to connect and to enrich yourself are so beneficial and can move you towards that end of the spectrum where you feel like you're flourishing. So let me know how this lands for you. Let me know where you would say you fall on the scale before doing any work. Do you feel like you have a flourishing life at home or at work? Do you feel like you've been languishing in one of these aspects of your life? Or do you feel like you've even been beyond that? Do you feel like you've been drained? Do you feel like you're struggling with burnout? Where do you find yourself on the spectrum? And what's one thing that you could start to shift? You can start to change things around to break out of inertia, to start moving yourself into momentum. Because I always love to celebrate the small wins. And so if you identify one thing you can shift to start feeling better, to open up some space in your life, to not feel so stretched thin and overcommitted, 
then with that change, with consistency, with keeping that in place, you have the capacity to bring in one more change, one more little upgrade that's going to start to lighten your load. So where do you see that you could get started and start moving yourself towards the flourishing life that I know that I aspire to, that I think that you also dream of enjoying and that if you are raising children, I know that you want for them as well. And what better way to chart to, to begin to chart the path for them than by leading with this example. If you have any questions, if you'd like more suggestions, if you run into any roadblocks, be sure to leave those in the comments so I can come back around, I can answer those, engage with you, or maybe even spark another episode where we dive a little more deeply into one of the aspects that we covered on today's show. Thank you so much for making time to join me in your busy, busy lives. I wish you well, health and joy, and until next time, take good care of yourself. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more about living life with less stress and more flow, visit happifiedlife.com. Subscribe on your favorite player to catch the next episode as soon as it's out. Sharing really is caring, so please rate and review the show while you're there. And if you know someone else who would love it, please pass it along. Until next time, my friends, keep on shining.